even with that defense being great, at some point they're going to get in the shootout. He's a great coordinator, not a great head coach. I think there's one thing we're all saying for a fact. Hello, everyone. Welcome back to the Goal Line Podcast. I'm your host, Patrick Seifer. Also known as Huddle NFL on TikTok and Instagram. That is No Huddle NFL with no capitals and no spaces. Also available on Twitter or X, whatever you want to call it. At No Huddle NFL, no capitals and no spaces with an underscore at the end. That is, again, at No Huddle NFL with an underscore at the end. And today, I'm going to be going through next week's games, the week seven games. I can't believe it's already week seven with friend of the show, someone I've had on in the past before. Tyler, how are you doing today? I'm doing good, man. How are you? I'm all good. It's a pleasure to have you on, as always. You know, I know the Chargers game didn't go too well on primetime, but (laughs) the good thing is when you're on this show, you get a chance to vent a little bit, maybe let a little bit of anger out. I know Rob last week felt free to do that. So when we get to the Chargers, feel free to go all out on that because that game, especially on primetime too against a team like Dallas, you know, you hate to see it happen. Yeah. So – I'm just going to jump right into it with Jacksonville against New Orleans, Thursday night football in New Orleans. How do you have this game playing out? Who's the favorite? Who do you have winning? What do you think might happen that not many people are expecting? I have Jacksonville winning just solely because I think Pete Carmichael just might be, you know, along with Matt Canada, the worst offensive coordinator in football. I mean, in a modern day of motion being used, he's just not using motion at all. I look at this offense, I'm thinking, you know, I know what play it's likely going to be. Like, even from a broadcast angle, it's just, it's not a fun watch at all. It's, it's I'm surprised their offense has been, you know, better than what you'd expect with this. But the Jaguars defense, you know, they've been very good through these last six weeks. I mean, and also I look at the individual matchups. Josh Allen's going to be going up against Trevor Penning. And to me, I think Josh Allen's going to pretty easily win that matchup there. I mean, it just does not look like a good matchup at all for the Saints offense. And with an improving Jaguars defense, I think Jacksonville uh, wins this one. I wouldn't say pretty easily, but I'd say by one to two possessions maybe. Yeah, I mean, this is a very simple one. I agree. The Saints can win. Like, it's definitely a possibility. And that's not just, like, any given Sunday. That is legitimately the Saints have been a good team. Like, they haven't been the worst team, without a doubt. They're definitely a team that can beat most teams in the league. Maybe they'd have to play a little bit harder to beat some of those not quite top tier, but second to top tier. But they definitely could beat those teams. And it's not a reach in order to say that. The Saints have been able to hold their own in a lot of these matchups. But Jacksonville just has an ability, due to all the weapons they have on the offensive side of the ball, to just overwhelm their opponent. And I don't see much on that Saints defense that really makes me think, oh, they'll be able to handle everything Jacksonville throws their way. Because the reality is they won't be able to do that. I find it very difficult to believe that they could consistently score Lawrence from scoring and in order for Jacksonville to lose this game I think it's gonna partially be because Lawrence and the Jaguars offense make some stupid mistakes 
Yeah, I definitely agree with that. I mean, Calvin Ridley is, you know, this year he's been kind of underwhelming, but this time he's going up against Paulson and Debo. (laughs) I don't, while I'm not having been the biggest fan of Calvin Ridley this season, I'm even less of a fan of Paulson and Debo there. So I think we could see a pretty big game from him in particular. Mm -hmm. It's that, and then the performance ETN had last week makes you really optimistic about what they could do on the ground. And it's just such a wide variety of weapons with a guy like Trevor Lawrence throwing the ball. It's really, like I said, overwhelming for opposing defenses. And I don't think the Saints are anywhere near as loaded on the defensive side of the ball. Yeah, they've got some they've got some nice pieces. And I think Dennis Allen, while a questionable head coach, I think he is a very good defensive mind. However, it's just uh, I don't think the defense like is like in their last couple games, I don't think their defense is going to be their saving grace in this one. Yeah, and listen, again, the Saints, they're not a bad team. They absolutely could win this game, but I think they're going to need a little bit of help from Trevor Lawrence and Jacksonville kind of shooting themselves in the foot. I want to move on to the Saints division rivals, though, having a matchup against each other. Atlanta playing against the Buccaneers in Tampa Bay. How do you feel about this matchup? Well, I think this matchup is probably going to come down to whether or not Desmond Ritter just like plays the worst game of football you will ever see, which he is. He has shown these last few weeks. He is very prone to doing. And, you know, Todd Bowles, he's a very good defensive mind, similar to Dennis Allen, you know, not the best head coach, but in terms of being a defensive mind and a defensive play caller, he's definitely up there when ranking other defensive play callers in the league. And so I don't see how Desmond Ritter is going to show improvement against this good of a defense. And even though the Buck, I think the Falcons offensive game plan would probably have to look something like running towards Logan Hall. Cause he's been, oof, he's been rough this year, but uh, Vita Vea, they still got that. They still have some nice, pieces on that defensive line to make up for that and plus the Falcons defense I just don't see it being all that good like they're they lack edge rushers even with a bad Buccaneers offensive line I still think that the Buccaneers win a close one here for me I I find it very interesting that you mentioned a key part of this game being the Falcons quarterback and how he's gonna play and I agree right if Ritter could just turn it on and start playing very well That'll definitely change this matchup, and it will change many other matchups to come. But I'm personally writing it in stone that Ritter just simply isn't that good. The other quarterback in this game, though, Baker Mayfield, I legitimately don't know what to think at this point. Because, now tell me if you disagree, but I think he started the season pretty strong. I felt like he was playing well to start the year. But yeah, he this didn't. performance after the bye week makes you really, yeah. really scared. Really scared. And, you know, Baker, like you said, was performing well at a point. He was dotting up Mike Evans on a consistent basis. But after that bye week, you would think he would only have gotten better. But it seems like he took another step back. And this is going to be a big game for him to really show whether he's the same Baker Mayfield we saw Carolina, or is he the Baker Mayfield that we saw earlier this year? 
Yeah, I do think Baker Mayfield was playing very well to start out the year. I mean, I personally at first was like, nope, I'm not going to get tricked like many other people are right now. Because, you know, I saw Geno 2.0 takes going on. And I'm like, come, come on. But then, you know, as it went on, I saw, okay, there's actually some legitimate cases for improvement there. He's showing more poise than I've ever seen from him. And then he faces probably the first real defense he's ever faced all well he's faced all season aside from new orleans and it's just like it just looked rough out there i mean detroit they've got a well-coached team going on over there aaron glenn he's been pretty underrated as a defensive coordinator but he's done a very good job and i think he kind of just you know gave baker his first real tough challenge of the season and that's just kind of why he did not look as hot even with the bye week advantage so what do you think that game was more of then? Do you think it was more of Baker Mayfield not playing well, or do you think it was just that Lions defense being much better than people give it credit for? I think it was a bit of both. I definitely do think Baker did not play a good game. Yes, but like I do think that the Lions just right now are very well coached defense. I mean, especially like when you look at a, their lack of secondary. I mean, it's not like the best secondary in the world, but they're still, you know, ranking pretty high in terms of defensive efficiency. So, yeah, I do think uh, like it currently is just a bit of both, but I would say it's kind of more Detroit side maybe. Yeah, for me though, this Falcons-Buccaneers game depends completely on how Baker plays. If Baker can get a stable lead, force the Falcons to win the game through the air with Desmond Ritter's arm, the Buccaneers are going to win. But if Baker can't do that, if the Falcons are in a spot where they could just continuously run the ball, well, I think in that case, then Buccaneers aren't going to be in a great spot and they're going to lose. Personally, I expect Baker to return closer to the form that we saw before the bye week though. And as a result, I have the Buccaneers winning. Yeah, I definitely think so. I mean, when if the Falcon, every time aside from a few weeks ago when the Falcons have asked to be like Desmond Ritter to just, you know, when the go out and just perform well and win the game for them, he's just, he's, he, he has not looked too great out there. I mean, when he, it's just a really hard offense to watch right now. Like I, you can see that Arthur Smith's trying to put a bunch of training wheels on him. You can see they're trying to make it as easy for the quarterback as possible. They're trying to dummy down the entire offense to just make it seem, make it so anyone can succeed in it. And Desmond Ritter still somehow is just, he's not, he's not succeeding. It's really like, I do think, Right now, there's definitely no way he comes back as a starter next season, but it, who knows? It's a long season, but right now, it just does not look good. Yeah, and like you said, any quarterback can just turn it around, right? It's very possible Desmond Ritter just turns it on this week. I doubt it. You doubt it. I'm taking Baker Mayfield and the boys in this one. So now the next game that I want to talk about, Bills at Patriots, another division rivalry game. What do you think of this game? I definitely, um, I think, you know, the Patriots offense is a hard watch. I mean, Mac Jones is bad. Bill O'Brien's bad. Their wide receivers not getting any separation, just can't catch. Like, it is just, it is a mess out there. I mean, 
And this is, they have not shown any signs like that they can be a competent offense at all. Whereas you look at the Bills defense, I mean, they were able to, I don't know if I'd say shut down Miami, but they, they held Miami to their like worst offensive showing than any team this year. And I mean, while Josh Allen has shown inconsistency this season and the Patriots do have still have a competent defense because they have probably the greatest defense. No, not probably actually the greatest defensive mind in football history on their side. I do still think, you know, Josh Allen gets it done in this one. And honestly, I don't think it's that close. I say bills by double possession. Yeah. And listen, this is a bills team coming off of I think what a lot of Bills fans would consider a disappointing week because that Giants game had no business being as close as it was. And yeah, the- I think that the Bills really just want to go into this game, walk out there, and just absolutely do damage to a New England team that has been owning them for so long now, right? And, you know, yeah. recently it's been a different story. But I still think there's a lot of people in that Bills organization that see a game against the Patriots in Foxborough and they're like, okay, do damage. Don't just win, embarrass them. And that's what Buffalo wants to do. That's something that has been happening a lot to the Patriots as of late. They've been getting not just beat but embarrassed. I think the Bills are planning to just be the next team to do it to them. Yeah, definitely. And I think one thing, you know, that is pretty true about the Josh Allen, you know, inconsistent narrative. While he is inconsistent, there has never been a quarterback that I think I've seen who I can just bet on a bounce back week after a bad performance. I mean, he he's probably just so it's honestly kind of insane, really. I mean, if he if he has a stinker next the week then you could probably just bet on him having a bounce back next week and looking like the MVP all pro caliber quarterback. We all know him to be, I mean, he's just, I do think he's probably going to just light it up out there. Yeah. And that is against a new England defense that can do damage. Like it absolutely can. Yet both of us feel so confident that Josh Allen, Stefan Diggs, that entire offense is just going to have a field day. Yeah, especially because, like, J.C. Jackson's back in New England now. I mean, that's a hard name for me to say now. But, I mean, Stephon <laughs> Diggs, historically, he owns J.C. Jackson. <laughs> I would be very surprised if the Patriots can keep this one close. Not just because, oh, Josh Allen's going to dot up the defense, because I don't think it's going to be as much of a, Bills go out there and just storm the defense, although I do think that kind of will happen. For me, what I'm more concerned about with the Patriots, and you hit the nail on the head earlier, they're an awful watch offensively. There is nothing to look at on the offensive side of the ball that you're like, oh, yeah, they just got to do that, work around that. Like, there's nothing that's been working for them. They've just been throwing everything at the wall, and it hasn't worked, not a single thing. Yeah. I mean, with the uh, game against the Raiders, that was their first touchdown they had scored in two weeks. I mean, that getting not scoring a touchdown in one week is one thing, but when it's like consecutive games, then that's the point where it's just like, okay, yeah, this is this offense is far from where we want it to be right now. 
And like I said, it's just they don't have anything to build around. The players aren't great, and we know the scheme isn't anything special, so it's just been an awful formula. Yeah, I mean, even in a pretty vanilla Bill O'Brien scheme, it's just like you're asking Mac Jones to, you know, be the captain of the helm, and I do not think he is quite as good enough to be the captain of the helm. You know, he was touted as someone who was this smart leader of the offense, which is why I even got people went as far as to say he was like Tom Brady, Tom Brady-esque coming out of Alabama. But like, I think, you know, his ability to just, you know, pro- see the field, you know, go through his progressions. I think those are a bit overstated with him. And I think, you know, he's just, he's mortal. I mean, in terms of being a quarterback, like it, just to put it nicely, he is it, like, he's just not been, nearly as good, even with a better offensive coordinator this year. Now, another team that has kind of an interesting quarterback situation because of an injury is the big difference here. The Colts, they're playing against Cleveland in Indianapolis. How confident do you feel about Gardner Minshew against what I consider the NFL's best defense? Like you said, NFL's best defense here. I don't really feel too confident in Indianapolis. I mean, Gardner, like Shane Steichen, one of the great things he's able at, able to do is he can completely idiot-proof an offense. He can, you know, design an offense around a lot of quarterbacks. And, you know, he's, I think even dating back to his days in L.A., even though those days weren't too great, one thing he's always, one trait he's always been able to possess is the ability to work around his personnel you know to mask certain weaknesses and get the best even out of like a bad grouping and I mean with Gardner Minshew it's just like we're looking at a career backup who you know just has never shown aside from maybe a couple nice moments he just has not shown any signs of being anything more than just a journeyman career backup, which is kind of the arc he's on right now. And I mean, against this Cleveland Browns defense, that is just absolutely wreaking havoc. I mean, that 49ers offense, even though they were injured, they still have Kyle Shanahan. And I mean, that entire offensive personnel, I think even with the injuries they had still stacks up very well against uh, like amongst the rest of the league. So the fact that they were able to just contain them is super impressive to me. And Miles Garrett, you know, he's he's playing like a, a defensive player of the year level right now. And I just think, you know, the Browns are probably going to win this one pretty handedly. I mean, even though their offensive situation, I don't even know what's going on with Deshaun Watson. It seems like he's just completely quit. But like, I still do think in a pretty low scoring, but you know, in a pretty lopsided affair, the Browns win this one. It's going to be a sloppy game. It's going to. This is probably going to be a backup quarterback against another backup quarterback. It should be a sloppy game. But I think Cleveland will maintain control throughout the entire game. And tell me if I'm wrong here, but I like to believe Indianapolis's approach to offense without AR, and that's a big game changer for them because a lot of their offense revolved around doing stuff that AR is good at. For me, though, I, I really think their offense is going to revolve around that run game. It's going to revolve oh, yeah, around definitely. Jonathan Taylor. Zach Moss, what could they do? Not really just on the ground, but also through the air, right? Because those are two guys who catch passes and they'll take it. Yeah, yeah. definitely. 
think the but, average depth of – go ahead. Yeah, my concern in this game specifically is you can't play against Cleveland with that plane of a game plan. It just isn't going to work. You can't just be like, oh, we're just going to get the ball in the hands of our playmakers because how did that work for the 49ers? Exactly. But you mentioned about the average depth of target. What do you think there? Uh, I think that the average depth of target, I'd, I'd expect it for Gardner Minshew to be very low. I don't think they're going to be taking many shots down the field because Cleveland, you know, Jim Schwartz's blitz-heavy tendencies has just been on another level. And he typically, you know, historically, he has not been one to just be an aggressive blitzer. But this year, he's blitzed a lot, and it's given them pretty easily the best defense in the NFL because it's getting Miles Garrett on as many one-on-ones as possible. So I think, you know... The game plan is probably just going to be to get the ball out quick, you know, like you said, to the uh, two receiving backs because, you know, they're Gardner Minshew, his a pocket awareness in the pockets, probably one of his weaker uh, traits. And so I think it's just going to be pretty easy, quick, get it out, get it to your first read, you know, don't just like sit in the pocket, scan the field or anything. And I think, you know, they're probably going to try to establish the run, even though against Cleveland, this front seven, I don't think that's going to work too well. So I, again, yeah, this, it's probably going to be a pretty vanilla game plan and they don't really have the, they just don't really have the personnel to match up with Cleveland here. Mm -hmm. And people always talk about Jim Schwartz's big change. That's been the topic of discussion ever since Cleveland really showed that they're a damn good defense earlier in the year. They talked about, oh, now Jim Schwartz is way more blitz heavy and what he's doing. And the reasoning is always, oh, we want to give Miles Garrett one-on-ones. And that's true. Like, that's very clearly why they do it. But there's another key reason why they do it. It's not because they just have a superb edge. They also have three great guys in that cornerback room. And two, I consider good safeties. Yeah. Grant Delpit and Juan Thornhill both do a good job as safeties, just single high guys, or you have both of them up. They've been doing a good job. And then in man-to-man or in zone coverage, is there another cornerback room you trust more than Martin Emerson, Greg Newsom, and Denzel Ward? I don't think there is. There really isn't. And that's why you're fine blitzing Jeremiah Usu-Koromo or one of the other linebackers because you don't need them in coverage. Your secondary is so damn good. And even if they weren't that good, you have Miles Garrett coming off the edge on a one-on-one. It's hard to make that pass if you're a quarterback, even against mediocre cornerbacks. They just happen to have some of the best corners in the league. Yeah, Jeremiah Wilson-Koromoa himself, he is very damn good, too. So, like, even, you know, if the linebacker was just probably, like, I don't want to say Kenneth Murray caliber linebacker because that's pretty harsh, but, like, uh, even if it was probably his average starter level linebacker, this defense probably would still be at the top of the league because it's just like, like, as you said, you know, they have stars in all the tier one positions, like the most important positions out there, and it's just – it's a, it's really, really hard to beat them. I, I'd be surprised if a team scores like more than, I, I don't even know what was he, what's like the most they've allowed in a game this year. Like, that's a, 
looks That's like That's a good question. It's 26 to Pittsburgh and I think that and that was off because of a defense Yeah, that was a lot of defense too. scoring. Yeah. Oh, oh no way, it was Ravens 28. Um I'm not I don't, I didn't really watch that game so I couldn't tell you how much, but like I'd be surprised if they allow more than 30 to any point this any game this year, you know. Yeah, they've been downright spectacular. Now, two other spectacular teams including one of the teams that you just mentioned, the Baltimore Ravens, are playing against each other in what I believe to be the game of the week. Detroit Lions playing in Baltimore against the Ravens. Who do you have winning this intense matchup? I have Baltimore winning this one. Okay, well, you know, I've talked about Detroit earlier and, like, how well-coached I believe they are. But one thing about Detroit is, you know, they have not faced, like, the toughest slate of opponents i mean yeah they face kansas city but they were without travis kelsey that game uh seattle you, they lost to atlanta they played and i again desmond ritter tax uh jordan love and the packers then carolina and then you know now it's tampa bay i mean it's a lot of uh it's not the t- biggest move moving schedule for me whereas the ravens i think they have faced a tougher slate of opponents. I mean, they. I think the uh, backup quarterback narrative is pretty disingenuous to them. I think, you know, Houston with Stroud, he, that was like kind of my first impression of him. And I was like, oh my God, this guy, you know, he he's the real deal. Like I, even though the box score looked pretty underwhelming, I thought he looked very good that game. Uh, I really do uh, think Tennessee, a very well-coached team, I think, you know, Mike Rabel consistently does more than he's asked to. And it's just like, uh, and especially international games too, like that, like the jet lag has a huge effect on the players. And just for them to beat that kind of team, I was very impressed with that win. So I feel like just for that reason alone, I'm going to take Baltimore in a close matchup this one. So tell me this, because I'm just curious here. Do you consider Detroit to be in that, top tier of the league and by top tier I I don't mean like oh yeah top 10 like no I'm talking about when you think about the absolute like Super Bowl or disappointing season teams like the 49ers like the Eagles like Miami right now do you consider Detroit to be one of those teams uh, I'm not really, I don't think so. I mean, the thing is, you know, I, I firmly believe even though wild wind shouldn't be used to evaluate quarterbacks, you probably need an above at, like, average level quarterback to be, you know, seen as a tier one team. And I think Jared Goff, you know, while I think he's probably the starter level. I mean, I don't really, I do think there are some good things about him, but like, there's not much that really moves me, you know? I mean, I think the, he's probably been a reason as to why the Lions offense struggled early on with generating explosive plays. It's just, it's, and while, you know, Ben Johnson, I mean, he, uh, he's probably like my current top offensive coordinator in the league. I'd have to get a rankings list for this, but uh, I do think, you know, they've got the coaching and the personnel looks pretty good, but like, just, just that one area, that one key area. Like, do I trust Jared Goff to not have a disaster class in a playoff in a playoff game against the 49ers? Like, do I trust him to not do that, you know? All right, that's fair. And I'm not disagreeing. I 
would agree with you that they aren't currently in that top tier. Now, do you think that if the Lions win this game convincingly, they could jump into that top tier? If you were to, if they, if that were to happen, and if someone was like some mainstream analyst was to say, "Yep, Detroit's definitely a tier one team right now." Like, while I'd be, uh, while I'd have to look at just like how specifically they won that game convincingly, um, I probably, I wouldn't be mad at the take. I mean, right now, I just look at the take, and I'm just like, eh, I think you know, this is a, I, this is a take I've kind of had for a while. But with Detroit, I feel like a lot of people, you know cheer for them just because they've been so bad for so long so like you know this like at this point especially right now there's a lot more uh, people to be higher on them just because they're a pretty likable team like you know Dan Campbell is he's an entertaining coach Uh, there are fun offense to watch just a fun team to watch overall right now you know it's a it's a city that's long needed a good football team and right now I think they are good but uh to say they are great, I think, right now is a stretch. But, like, you know, if that were to happen, just going back to your question, I think I wouldn't be mad at the take. Just because, like, I mean, that's partially because I think I'm just going to let Detroit fans have it. You know, they've they've waited eons for this. So, like, you know, I'm not going to go and rain on their parade just by saying, nope, your team's not that good. You're not on the level of the 49ers. Sorry, but I'm just going to be like, okay, you know live with that (laughs) that's very fair but now to get to my prediction and for me a big factor in this prediction is the fact that I do see this as an opportunity for Detroit to prove themselves as one of the league's best that's gonna be a big motivator for Detroit in this game I mean beating the Ravens that that doesn't happen very often for Detroit okay This is a team that's been, like you said, so dysfunctional for so long. And now they're finally the talk of Detroit. And not just in a bad way. Beating Baltimore would be so major for the entire culture of that locker room. I find it difficult to believe that they blow this opportunity. We know how Detroit plays when they're fired up. They're coming off three straight, I think, dominant performances where they didn't just beat the team they're playing against, they dominated them. They dominated them. Definitely, definitely. And after that Buccaneers game last week, I mean, I find it difficult to believe that the Ravens who, you know, they're they're good. They definitely are. And they absolutely could win this game. Every team can always possibly win. But I, I just look at all the stuff, all the momentum that Detroit has been getting. What this win could mean for them. And I have a tough time picking Baltimore to win. So I'm picking Detroit in this one. I really am. Should be game of the week. Should be a yeah. really, really tough one. But that Lions defense is no joke. And neither is their offense. Like you said, Ben Johnson doing an amazing job. Yeah, I definitely see what you're uh, saying there. And I mean, one thing I've really like, I really like about Ben Johnson is, you know, you look at the, uh, the McDaniels, the Reeds, the Mahomes, you know, and the McVeighs, they all utilize pre-snap motion at a high rate. So does Ben Johnson, but in some ways he even takes it to a whole nother level. Like he's, 
came out with play designs that I've never even seen before. And it's kind of just like made an impact on the league. And I'm like, okay, this guy, you know, it's not in an age where the Shanahan tree is getting, you know, more picked apart from than ever. It's kind of cool. I think Ben Johnson is, could potentially make his own tree there, which is why I really like him. And, you know, one thing I want to touch on, like you said, like how Detroit has pretty motivated, I think, Dan Campbell, while, you know, it might seem on the surface, he's just pretty funny. I do think, you know, a lot of, a lot of the stuff he does and like a lot of things he says, like I'll listen to his locker room speeches. I'm like, I want to run through a brick wall for this dude. Like he is a very, he's a, he's good at firing people up. And I think, you know, his football knowledge of the game is pretty good. Like it's good. And I think just this team, you know, it's a, it has the vibes to have a special team but I'm just not fully there yet. But if this were to happen, then I think I might, you know, join, kind of join you in the, uh, yeah, this is a, this is a specially motivated team. And this team just, you know, like I'll, I'll be further there is what I'm trying to say. Yeah. And listen, I'm not saying that personally, I, at least right now, consider Detroit to be one of those top tier teams, but the result of this game can very well change that for not just me, but I think a lot of the other people all over sports media. So yeah, the next game I want to talk about is a lot more of a stinker, but it, it still should be a close game. At least the Raiders led by probably Brian Hoyer. It seems against the Chicago bears without Justin Fields, how do you feel about this game? Oh, my gosh. That is um, – I mean, I've talked to uh, Raiders Twitter a lot just, like, as a Chargers fan, and I feel like, you know, trash talk between both Chargers and Raiders fans is just kind of down this year because, you know, Raiders fans, like, they're, they're mad that their team does not suck. Like, they want their team to suck. And, the, and so, it's just, like, I look at this um, – how they're – look viewing this matchup and I see you know they're like oh yeah you know this is a bad this is going to be a tough watch but maybe just maybe we could lose and get one step closer to Drake May or Caleb Williams but like I think this matchup you know if I were to look at it from an objective standpoint I I feel like it's going to come down to coaching advantage uh you know Patrick Graham he's he's done a great job with this Raiders defense these past few weeks. I think like, even though it was against the Patriots offense and against Jordan love, I do think, you know, like, and the chargers offense was pretty depleted. It was depleted. Um, I do think uh, he's done a good job this year with this unit. And then I look at the Bears side, I see Matt Eberflus with his vanilla scheme. And I see Luke Getze with the, I don't even know how to describe it. I want to say it's some Joe Lombardi type of stuff, but even then I feel like that would be harsh on Lombardi, but it's just like this matchup, you know, when you're that, when your quarter offense looks that much different because the quarterback's out, I feel like it's got to come down to coaching on both sides on who wins this game. And I feel like also the Raiders have just more stars than the bears do. Uh, I'm not, if I'm a Bears fan, I'm not looking forward to watching Max Crosby play against them this week. So I'm, I'm going to take the Raiders in this one. I feel very similarly. The Raiders, like you said, more star power. All right. They just simply have more 
game-changing players. I trust Devontae Adams to carry a quarterback far more than I trust DJ Moore, and that's not a knock on DJ Moore. That's more of me complimenting Devontae Adams. And then keep in mind they also have Josh Jacobs, and they also have someone I expect to be one of the top quarterbacks, best friend players in the league in Michael Mayer, who has started to put it together, man. He has started to really look good now. And his workload is only going to increase. Ryan Hoyer, I could see him relying on Devontae. I could see Mayer getting a little bit involved, but I could also see Josh Jacobs being a key part of this win. And who do the Bears have to just hand the ball off to? Deonta Foreman? Yeah, that's it's rough. So it's just overall that entire Raiders roster I don't think is great, but it's better at making up for having your backup quarterback in, in my opinion. Yeah, and also I feel like uh, one of my biggest principles is that games are won and lost in the trenches. And in the trenches, this just looks like such a mismatch. I mean, the Raiders outside of Jermaine Illuminor have had a good offensive line this year. And even, you know, even with Jermaine Illuminor, they're going up against, like, their best edge rusher this season has been Yannick Ngakwe. You know, 2023 Yannick Ngakwe is not moving the needle for me. Um and it's like their one sec- person in the secondary who's really been contributing is Jalen Johnson. And it's just this whole uh, – the, with the trench mismatch and with how simple the Raiders' offense can be and still win this game, I feel like you just got to make it a simple game plan for Brian Hoyer. Just set, maybe even go screw it, Devontae Adams down there somewhere. Like it's you do, it does not take a lot to beat this Bears defense. Definitely not. It really doesn't. And at least Hoyer's a veteran, right? You can't say the yeah. same about Tyson Bagnet, Bagent, however you pronounce it. It's I, I almost like accidentally called him Baguette, like it's in a French term. Yeah, you really want to. I, I something <laughs> about it. Something about he plays like a Baguette. <laughs> I I don't know exactly why that makes sense, but you see it too. All right. Yeah. I, because of him, I had to literally look up where Shepherd university is because like, I've <laughs> never heard of that school in my life. Yeah. And I mean, he had a good preseason, but maybe he should spend a little bit more time in the oven before he comes out as a full baguette. <laughs> I don't know. I don't think he's ready yet. He didn't look like it yeah, in last week's I, game. Yeah, I don't think I'd have much. It'd have to be like, you know, one of those big movie underdog stories that happens. And that just does not happen too much in a day's NFL. I don't think he's like Kurt Warner or anything. So I don't, like, I don't even, wasn't he drafted like seventh round? I'm trying to. Think. I heard he was undrafted. Yeah, that's even like, if that, how is that your number two? Like with Justin Fields, who's unproven. <laughs> and let's be honest, Fields has an injury history. Yeah, like. Well, this is I, malpractice. I think, you have to keep in mind, too, though, in all fairness, they brought in P.J. Walker, and they got that rid of him because true. they liked what they saw from Tyson. 
So I don't think it's like a terrible organizational play. Because let's be honest, he played well in the preseason. He got a lot of people going. No one thought that he would have to come out year one, but it was a possibility. We knew it was a possibility. You know, I hope he could play better than last week for the sake of this being a game, but I'm taking the Raiders here. Now, Washington against the Giants in New York. Who do you have winning this one? A game I, I think should be really good. Uh. I'm, I mean, I think, you know, I've been pretty anti-Giants this season just because, you know, this team, like, even though last week against Buffalo, it was a very shocking showing, I still wasn't too moved by them. I mean, Bobby Okariki, he was, I, I, uh, grew, I grew up a Stanford fan, so I always watched him, and I knew he was going to be that dude, just like, it, even though it took a while, he, um, he certainly got it together now, and last week, he was just a tear, like, he was a one-man show that, and it was just crazy. Like, I do think he's probably the one contributor, aside from Dexter Lawrence on this defense, that I actually like am moved by. But like this offense, however, is just another story. Like even I feel like Kafka. I was originally shocked that he didn't get a head coaching job this season, but uh, it turns out the league knew more than even I did. So it's probably why. Um, I do think at some point you got to hand over the play calling to Brian Dable. I mean. And uh, then you look at Washington, Sam Howell. Uh, he is one thing about him is he takes the worst sacks possible. He's the worst. He's by far in a way this year, the worst in the league when it comes to taking sacks, but like against def- against some defenses this year, he has, you know, shown that he can play at a relatively high level. So uh, I do think um, I take Washington in this one, but like, I wouldn't, I don't know if I'd be too surprised if the Giants just, you know, pull off a, a super like like some sort of unsurprising, unfashionable win in a slugfest. So me and you differentiate here because of one specific thing, and it's something that you opened that your entire opinion on. You weren't very moved by that Giants game. I imagine you see it as like a fluke, I guess. Is that kind of it or what specifically? Uh, I kind of think, you know, like with um, certain times on prime time, like there are just, uh, it just, it just got the vibe. Like, I don't say fluke often, but uh, it's just like, it didn't really feel like too like impressive of a win. I mean, it just, it felt like a lot of times, you know, it was just more the bills, like just, screwing around uh i feel like in the giants you know they it looked like they were genuinely trying out there and it still just like wasn't enough to get it done and i don't know it's just it's i still think like in terms of efficiency you know on offense and defense they're the worst team in the league this year it's just and their offensive line is a bunch of oompa loompas uh (laughs) i um I do. I just don't like see too much of a. I just don't see how like that win like really gave me too much of a promising sign going forward. But I do see how one could uh, take take away from this game that oh they went up against a tough team and they held their own. So like you know it won't be too horrible out there. But like I don't know. Well, in my experience watching that game, I saw a 
Giants defense that, even besides okay, Ricky, was playing well. Like, they were. Yeah. Dexter Lawrence obviously making his impact. I think even Deontay Banks, the rookie, I thought he was pretty solid. Overall, that defense, they did their job. They did their job, and they did it damn well. Of course, it was mainly highlighted by okay, Ricky. Like, he was there. He was there, Luke Keekley during that game. And I don't think it's an exaggeration because of how well okay, Ricky was playing. He was there, Micah Parsons. He was there, TJ Watt. He was just their guy. The rest yeah. of the guys do their job, and okay, Ricky's going to make the play. And do I expect that to happen again? Maybe not to the same extent, but Washington is a much weaker offense than the Bills. I don't think anyone's going to doubt that. Yeah, they definitely are much weaker offense. I mean, I definitely have, especially with quarterback. I mean, Sam Howell was like eight, 10 levels down at, at least when compared to Josh Allen. And I know the Giants only put up nine points, but you got to keep in mind that they should have scored a touchdown at the end of the game. They got into the red zone and they got far. They got onto the goal line and couldn't score. And then they also should have scored before halftime. They wasted two opportunities where they got to the goal line. It's not that they turned the ball over. They just ran out of time. So I think Tyrod Taylor, I don't know how hot of a take this might be, but I think the way Tyrod Taylor played against the Bills was a better performance than Daniel Jones has had all year. I could, uh, I mean, I could definitely see it. Like, may, aside from, you know, the second half against the Cardinals, Daniel Jones has been awful this year. Absolutely. And listen, the problems are beyond Jones. Like, it's, I'm not going to sit here and be like, oh, yeah, you replace Daniel Jones with Tyrod Taylor, they're going to go undefeated. Like, no, no. Kafka hasn't done a great job. Saquon hasn't been able to get much going on the ground, even when he is healthy. The offensive line is probably the worst I've ever seen in my life. It's really bad. It is really bad all over. But part of fixing that is having the right guy under center, having the right guy take snaps. And listen, Daniel Jones got sacked a lot because the offensive line was bad. Sure, but a lot of those sacks were on him. And I couldn't help but notice that Daniel Jones got sacked I believe 11 times against Seattle. He got sacked seven times against the Cardinals. And then Tyrod Taylor comes in. And. Oh, sorry. Seven times against the Dolphins. Also. Tyrod Taylor comes in against Buffalo, who was also a very, very strong defense. And takes, I believe, three sacks. I don't have the number written down. But that's not because the offensive line just randomly got better. That is because Tyrod Taylor is doing a better job working with a broken offensive line. He's doing a better job working with a receiver core that isn't overly great. He's doing a better job with what the Giants currently have. Whether or not that makes him a better quarterback, I don't know. I frankly don't care. You are trying to win games with what you currently have as the New York Giants. And I believe that Tyrod Taylor gives the New York Giants a better chance at winning games than Daniel Jones does for this year, for this current 2023 
Giants team. Yeah, perhaps. Like, I definitely could see that. I mean, it's a uh, – I don't know, like, how – like, that – here's the thing with Tyrod Taylor. I mean, he hadn't had a start in quite some time, so I don't know how much film they had on him. I don't know how much, like – it's just a it, – it's definitely, like, a tough evaluation right now. Like, I all – I feel like, you know, every time I believe in teams like this, in this situation, it just kind of backfires. So, I think I'm just hesitant – to uh, pull the trigger, so I, I don't know. But, I mean, I, I can definitely see where you're coming from. Listen, I, I get that film argument sometimes, but I feel like with Tyrod Taylor, that, that really did, shouldn't play too much of a factor. This is a guy who's been around the league, been in Buffalo. I find it difficult to really say that this is some – maybe you want to say that Tyrod Taylor played a better game than he should have, but I also think that there was some place he had where it wasn't overly good to drop snap. The last play of the first half where he audibled to a run or changed the play to a run. I I mean, that was stupid. But I think him not playing, him not being the starter, went against him more in that Giants-Bills game than it did for him. And as a result, having a full week with Tyrod Taylor should work. But that's also assuming that Tyrod Taylor plays – there is a possibility that Daniel Jones plays. And in that case, I'm still picking the Giants because they are coming off a big week for them, a season-changing week for them. And I'm not saying that the Giants are now the best thing since sliced bread, but I am saying that they'll beat their division rival, who isn't very good. But Jones playing, I I think it worries me a little bit. I'm going to be honest, it worries me. But I I would still take the Giants. Yeah, I am. Um, I definitely see that. I mean, I it's a kind of a coin flip one for me. So now another division rivalry game: Cardinals at Seahawks. What do you think? Uh, I think Seattle. I mean, they're uh, like while the Bengals, you know, they uh, they definitely did a good job against them. I uh, I do think the Seahawks had a more more room to uh, improve after that game. I mean, I, and also like with Arizona last week against the Rams, they just, uh, they did not look good at all. I definitely do think, uh, I do buy into the hype that they are like, well, not, I wouldn't call it hype, but they are playing better than a lot of people would have expected them to, you know, like they should not have been this competitive, especially with, you know, Josh Dobbs as your quarterback, but like, at the same time, I feel like Seattle, they, they have a good offense over there. Defense looks improved from last season. The secondary is super nice. Um, I'm going to take Seattle in this one. I agree, right? The Cardinals, they seem to have kind of lost their magic that they had to start the year. And Kyler is apparently a quote-unquote full go. Whether or not that means he'll start this game or maybe in the future, I don't really know. But I, I also don't think it changes much. This is a quarterback that is coming off a major injury, wasn't there for the entire offseason program. And let's be honest, let's be honest. We know that this guy doesn't have a great work ethic. After all the reports about it, we know that that's the case. So what makes us think that he was even looking at the playbook while he was injured? What makes us think that he's going to come out there and really be ready to play? 
The only reason I could imagine maybe Kyler Murray having a change of heart is he notices, oh, shoot, the Cardinals might be moving on from me after this year. And, well, if I'm going somewhere else, I got I kind of got to play to keep a starting job. So, Tyler Murray's kind of on a sort of a hot seat at the moment. So, if he does play, yeah, maybe he'll have some inspiration more than usual. But I think they're a worse team with him in than Joshua Dobbs, at least until I see otherwise. And I know that's a hot take, but... Listen, playing quarterback is difficult, especially when you don't have the entire offseason. On a new offense, keep in mind. Yeah, definitely. I mean, I don't know if I'd uh, <coughs> excuse me. Um I don't know if I'd go as far as to like question his work ethic. I definitely have seen the reports and I definitely um do think there could be something there, but like it's just, uh, I don't, I'm not in the building, so I'm not behind closed doors, so I don't see what the conversations are and such. And I mean, but as you said, like, this is an entirely new offensive scheme. So, like, how am I supposed to feel confident? He's definitely got the talent, but, like, you know, how am I supposed to feel confident that, like, because learning the playbook is one thing. Like, you can memorize the plays. You can, you know, like what I used to do, I used to get all my plays in a Quizlet and I back when in my playing days and I just like got quizzed on them. But like the pl- acting them out is a whole entire different thing. And like in real time, it's a lot faster. So like with that much time missed and, you know, uh, he did not get a chance to act out like the place in all off season. I think, you know, what I would do personally, I'd probably just play him after the bye Cause that's like the best chance you're going to get at like good quarterback play from him, even though their season might be over by then. But like at the same time, I just, uh, I, I don't feel confident in his return. I mean, I want to cause like, but I just don't know how confident I'd be. Yeah, and let's be honest, he most likely isn't playing this week, although he is reportedly a full go, quote-unquote. But I just noticed I haven't said who I have winning this. Believe it or not, I have the Seahawks winning it. I know, shocking. Yeah, the Cardinals just, like I said, they lost their magic. They haven't been the same team that we saw earlier that would get these crazy upsets every now and then. Like, no, no, they're not. They're there. They're not quite the worst team in the league, but they're definitely in that discussion. Steelers at Rams. What do you think here? I think I'm going to go with the Steelers here. I mean, they're coming off a bye, and their defense, you know, it's I. a lot of people look at their, this team, they're like, how is this team, you know, how is this team still, like, trucking along with their magic? Like, this is fake success or whatever, but it's really just been, like, their defense has been that good for them in these games, and I feel like, you know, the Rams, while having a good offense, it's kind of funny. The L.A. – I call the L.A. team basically the same because, like, their offense is really good, but their defense just – it's not that – it's not special. And even with, like, Matt Canada calling plays, I do still think this is a good enough matchup for the Steelers' offense to, you know, get – enough points to win to like keep and they're and I think they'll probably be able to contain the Rams offense even though it's very good so I feel like I got the Steelers winning by one possession here in typical Steeler fashion 
I feel the same way. I thought that I was really like special for having the Steelers winning this one. I'll keep it honest. I thought that I really had like a hot take coming at you. I was expecting some major disagreement, but no, we're both on the same page. Steelers win this one. The Rams O-line hasn't been all that. Okay. It's one of the few weak spots on that offense that seems pretty loaded. Even without Kieran Williams, I like Zach Evans a lot, but I don't know how much damage Cooper Cup, Nakua, Stafford overall, just that entire passing attack is going to be able to do with TJ Watt in Stafford's face constantly and with Alex Highsmith making plays constantly. I don't know how confident I am. I don't know how confident I am in Nakua's ability to get open with Joey Porter pressing him and doing a damn good job because he's been doing a damn good job all year. Now, the Steelers' offense, I'm not too confident in, but the Steelers' defense, I think, can definitely make plays against the Rams and win them this one. I'm expecting them to. Like you said, they're coming off a bye. They're going to come into this game with some special stuff to help them maybe get a little bit kick-started on offense. I think the Steelers will win this one. Sloppy football game, most likely a one-possession game. Yeah, I also think we're probably going to see um, some Stafford turnovers in this one just because he's a very turnover-prone quarterback in general. I mean, even though he is very good and he's making high-level throws on a week-to-week basis. And it, but I just – I feel like, you know, the more more I've seen Stafford, the more, I like, you know, I'm convinced, like, his play under pressure, even though he's been consistently very good under pressure, it's just unsustainable going forward and – you know, he's also very injury prone. I think even right now he's not fully healthy. I mean, he got injured in that Colts game. I don't know if that injury is still bothering him, but I just feel like the Steelers defense, it feels like a typical uh, Stafford against a good defense matchup. I don't know. Well, as someone that absolutely loves Stafford, I don't like this slander you're throwing his way. But I yeah, like him. I like him. Yeah, you're you're definitely right, though. Right. He puts the ball in harm's way a little bit too much, and the Steelers tend to capitalize on that defensively. Should be a good game. I really expect it to be. I think the key thing is going to be stopping Cup or limiting Cup. And because of how well they could get pressure with just their front four, I think that they won't have to send the house. They won't have to blitz a lot, and that will help Conceal cup to just a measly 80 yards. It's so crazy how, like, that's the low for him. <laughs> yeah, well, he's he's been so dominant, right? He, even coming off the injury, it hasn't hindered his performance one bit. He's a damn good player. If the Steelers could just limit him to a somewhat pedestrian wide receiver one performance, I think they're going to be good here. Yes. Packers at Broncos. Oh, this is, um, I feel like some, some rather ugly. Well, actually, I don't know if I'd say ugly. I mean, I feel like, I feel like the Packers are probably going to win this one pretty good here. I mean, it's just one that I feel like the Broncos defense under Vance Joseph is very poorly coached. I, they did do a I mean, I don't even think like the Kansas city 19 points thing is too much of an accomplishment because it just looked like the Chiefs were flat out trolling out there. I mean, 
it looked like they were not being serious out there, and it still looked like they were having their way with them. Like it, Andy Reid's offensive play calling was off that night for some weird reason. Uh, it just did not look like, you know, they were really trying out there, and they were still able to just have their way. I mean, and I feel like with the Broncos' offense, uh, I, I just – I'm not a huge Russ guy. I never have been. I went on a receipt run last week to all the people on Broncos Twitter telling me that – he was not a problem last year, even though now we're kind of starting to see some of the same stuff that hindered them last year, hindered them this year. Uh, <laughs> I um, But I do feel like this offense is going to have a bounce back performance just because they're going up against the Joe Barry defense. But even then, I feel like Jordan Love wins this one in a shootout. I don't know. You think I could see it being a shootout, but yeah, I mean, Packers win. Right, I don't think many people are going to deny that. The Broncos look like one of the worst teams in football. I do think the defense looked better against KC, although, like you said, it was a lot of self-inflicted wounds. Yeah, definitely. And I feel like, um, I feel like you know, Sean Payton, he has been a very big disappointment this year. Like, it just looks like he's completely forgotten game management. That offense looks vanilla. Um, it's just... I mean, now we kind of start, and I feel like, you know, with uh, Matt LaFleur, he's done a great job this year. Like, the first two weeks, he, he, he was designing a great offense, and now it's kind of started to slow down, I think, as more teams have gotten more, like, study on Jordan Love. But, like, I do think, you know, coming off of a bye for Green Bay, I think they can uh, definitely work, they definitely work some kinks out. And, yeah, I feel like Packers win this one. Them coming off a bye also really, really helps them here, doesn't it? I completely agree. Packers win this one. Now, let's finally talk about your team, Chargers at Chiefs. How about you talk a little bit about their game last week before we get into this matchup? Oh, my. I feel like um, that offensive line for the Chargers has been – I individually, I don't think they're too bad of players. I feel like, you know, Rashawn Slater, he's a star. Zion Johnson, he's a solid guard. Uh, Will Clapp, he's okay as a backup center. Jamari Sawyer, even though he hasn't been the best guard this year, I don't think he's bad. And Trey Pitkins, too. I don't think they're all bad by any means. But uh, one thing with offensive line play is continuity and chemistry. And that's just something – well, continuity, I think they do have – more so than recent years but chemistry it doesn't look like they have that at all consistently it seems like especially like in late game scenarios that their protections just getting blown up like and last last week it was a it was rough out there I mean 47.6 percent pressure rate on Justin Herbert it clearly sped up his internal clock because that was probably a that was one of his worst games I've seen from him in a minute and it's just like it looked as if, you know, the uh, Quentin Johnston, he like he's asked to step up in the Mike Williams role. They're just finding out now that he's not a physical wide receiver. So like <laughs> I mean, I don't I um like that last interception, he got straight up bullied by Stefan Gilmore on that one. I mean, while Herbert should have went to his check down, I do think that uh that play it def Quentin definitely shares some blame on that game and he All I'm gonna say all I'm going to say is that my Quinton Johnston wide receiver, I believe nine in the draft class take, doesn't seem too bad right now. 
It does He's not. He's the third best not. receiver in the AFC West. What are you going to do about it? Or third best rookie receiver in the AFC West. What are you going to do about it? Yeah, it's just how I feel it like. I feel like now you've got to completely like they were coming off of a bye too. You know, they had time to, you know, kind of reinvent this offense around the injuries and it just didn't happen, which is why this loss was so frustrating, you know? And like with Quentin Johnston, you, that he has never been a physical player. You just either never. get, get him in space. Like get exactly, him. exactly. She, That's why I was so optimistic about him landing in LA because I, I was like, you know, I specifically pointed it out. I don't know if I ever did it on air, but I, I really thought this while scouting him. I was like, I don't like this receiver. I don't think he's very good, especially as a first round pick. But, but if he goes to a team like the Chargers that have their big body receiver, have their route running savant, and they just ask him to be a slot guy who just gets open, you give it to him in space you know, throw him a screen pass or two. You just need speed at the receiver position and someone that can make plays after the catch. If he goes somewhere like that, somewhere like LA, where he'll be used like that, or where I thought he would be used like that, he could definitely have the career that people are hyping him up to be. But it seems the Chargers don't want to use him like that. They want to use him like he is a 6'4 receiver. when Like Mike Williams. Yeah. Even though he is 6'4", he just doesn't play like he's 6'4 at all. Yeah, and, like, I feel like, you know, this was this was not different in the Raiders game. I mean, they were trying to get the contested catches for Josh Palmer and Quentin Johnston. It just was not working. Like, they, they're, I think now they're kind of starting to realize, like, okay, you know, this guy is not – um he's not – They sh- I f- want them – I want them, you know, to get Quinton more involved in this offense. And I also think this goes on Herbert, too. I don't know if Herbert fully trusts him yet. There are times when Herbert's not looking his way on film that I'm seeing. Um, I think uh, I think now you've got to kind of find a way to get him more touches because, like, it's it's just not – right now it's just not working. Like, you got to just find more ways to experiment right now. And this offense, like, it's – it's not like it's kind of missing an element. It's I don't think they're gonna get that physical contested catchability back, you know. So like I feel like now you've got to completely alter your entire offensive focus. Mm-hmm. So now let's shift focus to this upcoming game against the Kansas City Chiefs. Do you have an upset here or not? I do not. Um, one thing that's particularly concerning about this matchup is the Chargers lead the league in third down penalties. I mean, and there, in my experience, there is no quarterback. I mean, no quarterback better at drawing defensive penalties than Patrick Mahomes. I do not know. I don't want to buy into the conspiracy theory that the refs are just rigging games for the chiefs, but he has, it's literally been, you know, like he is, a master at drawing defensive holdings or defense PIs or even roughing the pass or like, it's just, it, I, I'm Patrick Mahomes. Also, I feel like he's got, he usually, he beats the chargers every time. I mean, he's like, they don't really have an answer for him anytime I've seen ex- except for like maybe last year. And uh, also it's just, 
the Chargers defense this year, especially has had, has allowed quarterbacks to play make more often. Like they, I think Tua and Tannehill and Dak have all had their best playmaking games against them. And now they're going up against the best playmaking quarterback in football. So it's like, I'm, and they're also coming off of a buy, like a mini buy and we're coming off of a short week. So I just don't, don't see like how we match up well with them defensively and offensively. It, Kansas city has such a good defense this year and McDuffie, they could just put him on an Island with Keenan. And I don't think, I don't, really buy that either Quinton or Palmer can just be anyone else. So I just, I just don't see it. I mean, I think they, it's probably going to come down to one possession because, you know, Chargers Chiefs usually does, but like it's, I just don't see a win here. So I will admit some of the arguments you made as a Chargers fan would make me really want to reconsider this, but and maybe it's just me trying to get shock value. I really don't know, but I, I really think that, Chargers upset here is the prediction that I, that I want to make. Like you said, the games have been played tight, and you made some fair arguments there. But let's talk about some arguments against the Chiefs. They tend to have these occasional streaks of games that they put up, put up once every year of like three or four games where the offense just isn't. Like you said, they, they almost look like they're screwing around with their opponent. And it could really bite them in the butt. It could really hurt them. And I think that if they go into this game with the same approach they tried against the Broncos, well, the Chargers win this game. I feel very confident in that. And I think a key reason why is Herbert has an opportunity to remind the haters that the player we saw against the Cowboys – isn't the real Justin Herbert. And I think he wants to take advantage of that. Yeah. These narratives this week have been so, I saw some radio host or whatever. He, um, he said something about how Herbert cares more about making subway commercials than winning. It's like, dude, that's dumb. That's an overreaction, but I do want to hear you admit because you, your whole Twitter feed has been a lot of like, people are overreacting, but I want to hear you admit. And I think you, you're very willing to admit Herbert didn't play a good game. He did not. He did not. Yeah. He that was one of the worst games of his NFL career. Probably possibly the worst. Is that a I, stretch? So oh, that was kind of a take I saw that it was the worst game he's ever played. But I looked at that. Um I remember I think the worst game I've ever seen was a I don't even think just scene two. I turned it off because it was that bad. It was his rookie year against New England. They lost 45 Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. I remember that. Yeah. I remember that specifically because that was my first year really covering the league. I was on Instagram, and something I would say a lot is, oh, yeah, this is the young quarterback Grim Reaper, Bill Belichick, against a rookie that, let's be honest, was seen as a raw prospect in college. Herbert's going to look bad, and he did, but – since his rookie year, how about that? Is this his worst performance? Was that his worst performance since his rookie year? It'd have to be between that and the game against Baltimore in 2021. Um, I feel like, you know, one thing he uh, – it's it's never really been a key weakness because I've seen him do well against this before. But, like, disguised coverages and, you know, getting consistent pressure is probably how you're going to beat Herbert. I mean – he uh he's good at reading he's gotten a lot better at reading this guy's coverage mm-hmm. against Oregon. 
But like, that's just probably always been the best strategy. And also, you know, forcing him to play deep, especially this year. I mean, in Joe Lombardi's offense, he was not as aggressive as he is this season. I mean, he's been probably the most aggressive I've ever seen him. Like As he should be. As he should be. And, you know, this offense is getting – like, they're getting big plays, it seems like, almost every drive. I mean, Kellen Moore, like, even though the two deep shots were missed, like, by Herbert, which is rare for him. Like, he does not miss those throws typically. But, like, when you're – if you are getting Keenan Allen, like, deep, like, that's just – I mean, Keenan Allen is (laughs) – he's not a big big play threat. But they're making him look like a big play threat. It's kind of – like, I do credit Kellen Moore a lot for that. And I'm I'm glad, like, the aggressiveness has definitely – Get given more big plays for the offense this year. I mean, there are definitely some downsides that have come with it, but I do feel like it's been a net positive. Mm. Yeah. But overall, you would say just knowing Herbert to the point that you do as a Chargers fan, fluke. That had to have been a fluke bad performance, right? Uh, I, I mean – feel like you know matchup wise they just never matched up well but like if you were um I do think I would expect more from Herbert even even under those circumstances I do think I would have expected more so the throws he missed uncharacteristic right very yeah and that's why I expect him to not just bounce back but bounce back in a special way against a division rival that they always play close they always play him close How about that extra bit of motivation leads to them winning? How about maybe we see a Quinn and Johnston screen? Maybe. Yeah. I hope so. I mean, I also think they could get Darius Davis more involved just because he's a speed guy. But I don't know. Mm -hmm. That's just – that's an that's more of an option at this point. But I I just something I'd like to see. Yeah. But overall, I I do – you make some fair arguments for the Chiefs winning this one. But – I want to take the upset here. This is my big upset of the week. If that happens, I, I don't know how much of that game I'm going to be watching because I have to cover a volleyball game on Sunday. But uh, if that were to happen, like I would probably be, I'll probably run around my entire dorm apartment or like something just, I would be so excited. <laughs> yeah, I mean, like you said, they, they've played them tight. They've played them tight. They just need to finally get that a little bit extra. Yeah, for sure. Dolphins at Eagles. I know I talked about the Lions game against Baltimore as the possible game of the week. This one makes it tough for me to say that definitively because this should be a really good one. Who do you think wins this pretty much 50-50 toss-up? I got the Eagles winning just because, like, um, I look at the best opponent, like the best defenses the Dolphins have faced all year, and it's like, New England and Buffalo, both times, like, their offense just did not look as nearly as dominant as it did all year. And, I mean, like, while, yes, I do see that, like, if you're, what, your worst performances are probably going to come up against the best competition. But, like, it's just, it concerns me that against their only, like, plus level opponents when they start to struggle. And, like, they're, like, it's night and day difference. Like, that's the point where it concerns me. And then this Eagles defense has been good this year, so... I think just because, you know, the Eagles are a positive defense and I feel like, you know, the Dolphins defense has not been any good this year. Like, it's certainly not the Jets defense that they faced last week that has just been fantastic against opposing quarterbacks this year. I feel like, you know, 
we see Jalen Hurts bounce back and the Eagles do enough on defense to uh, to uh, hold off this very explosive Miami offense. So there's definitely a lot of truth to all of that. And for me, before I say my prediction, I kind of want to build it up because this is one that I think deserves some some drama to the announcement, right? If Philly can keep Tua and Tyreek off the field and not let the Dolphins control – sorry, yeah, the Dolphins control the game, take the lead, and just, you know, ball out, just throwing it to Tyreek, have Jalen Waddle on the – just having the Dolphins' offense on the field often and having Mostert get going. Like, they can't let – they cannot let the Dolphins run game going. They can't. It, yeah. If they let Mostert start doing damage, like, it's over. It's over. But if Philly can just ground and pound football, keep running five yards, five yards, five yards, which they are very capable of doing, I think they definitely win this game. The yeah, Eagles think- offense hasn't really – shown the ability to keep up with a team like Miami in a gun show. The goal is going to be to prevent that from being the case. The key factor in this game for me is how well the Dolphins run defense can play. Yeah, I don't, I honestly don't uh, see the um, Dolphins run defense putting up too great of a performance, honestly. I mean, Vic Fangio just runs a lot of light boxes. He takes defenders out exactly. of the box because he wants he wants to prevent the deep ball. And um, they're uh, they're run and the Eagles, you know, for the second year in a row, they have the best rushing offense in the entire NFL. So like, this is probably like Dolphins defense matchup wise. This is probably the worst offense they could have been facing right now. So the only for- thing. The only thing that worries me about Philly, and th- this is like me trying to predict the character element of the sport, which is always really hard to do, so I try and avoid it a lot of the time, but I am going to try and predict it. If A.J. Brown starts complaining about not getting the ball and eventually something leads into something else and Nick Sariani starts to feel a need to throw the ball more and not just commit to the run that's working, that would be a problem. I think that would allow the Dolphins to end up winning this game. I mean, that that is going to be the big thing. All right. That would be a storyline, I would say. How willing is Philly to just commit to the run? Because if, if they just completely commit to the run game, I, I think they win 100%. But I can't guarantee that because it has happened before. It has. Even against the Jets, all right, Philly could have ran the ball much more but they chose to keep it in the air, and that's why they lost last week. That is going to keep it very simple with you. The Jets were dealing with some injuries in the secondary. The Eagles kept trying to take advantage. They outsmarted themselves. Just do your bread and butter, run the ball, run the ball, run the ball. You have one of the, if not the, best offensive line in the sport. You have DeAndre Swift, who has had a good season. You have a mobile quarterback. Use it. Just let that be, be your identity. Use AJ Brown yeah. as the counterpunch. 
Yeah, one thing I want to point out is, um, I mean, while Philadelphia is third in team rushing percentage um, with 46.96% of their plays being runs, um, these past three games, it has gone down to a solid 41.12%. Like, and it's like you said against New York, they uh they didn't even not they didn't even get to a third of their plays being run plays. Like they are definitely showing kind of a sh- they're definitely shying against the run at times. So I definitely do see where you are coming from there. They're a better team when they're just playing ground and pound football. And then, oh okay, you tackled DeAndre Swift behind the line of scrimmage, and now we have a second and long, third and long. Okay. Now we'll throw the ball. Now we'll use A.J. Brown and Devonta Smith. But their bread and butter should be running it. Definitely. And that's my fear here. I think if the Eagles just commit to the run, they win this game. But if they don't, which is very possible, and they try and outsmart themselves, they're going to lose, and it's going to be completely on the egos in that room. It's going to be on A.J. Brown, who's probably a key reason why Nick Sariani made those decisions. It's going to be on Nick Sariani, without a doubt. It's going to be on everyone on that team that let that happen. It would be on Jason Kelsey for not getting in the face of Nick Sariani and telling him, run the damn ball. That's how I see this. Like, it's almost a no-brainer from a matchup perspective to do this. Do it until it stops working, and then you use the AJ brand, and then you use Devonta Smith. Until then, run the football. You're that good, and if they're going to come at you with light boxes, if they're going to challenge you to run the ball, run the run the football. Yeah, definitely. I, I 100% agree with that. I mean, I, the egos portion probably, like, it would be somewhat of a huge headline if that were to just have came out and that would not be a good look at all for Nick Sirianni. But yeah, I do see what you're saying here. So the last game I want to talk about, very easy game. The one where the 49ers win in prime time against the Minnesota Vikings. How much do you have the 49ers winning by? Because Um, do you think it could even be an upset? I don't think it could be. I mean, any given Sunday, but no, this shouldn't be an upset. Yeah, I feel like um, the Vikings' losses all this season, you know, it's been a complete inverse of last year where, you know, they were winning all these one-possession games, and now this year they just cannot win a one-possession game. I mean, it like, they're – so – but here's the thing. Like, I – the only you can only, like, lose so many one-possession games in a season. One of them just has to be a blowout, and I feel like this one's prime blowout potential. I'm going to say uh, – I'm going to say Niners by – we'll go – We'll go 17. Yeah, I I know the 49ers are banged up, but come on now. Come on. Okay. Uh, um, This is – yeah, like the 49ers are banged up. Cool. They're winning. (laughs) They're winning this game. No, and I'm not disagreeing. 17 is probably about fair. But I'm saying to the people, like, normally I try and bring up, like, both sides. But there's always one game I try and really have as a definitive lock. I, I do have this as a definitive lock. The 49ers are coming off a loss. They're not going to make it two in a row. Yeah, and I feel like, you know, I, the one hope I would have for the Vikings here is if they had Justin Jefferson, but they don't. <laughs> yeah, and that that's such a difference maker. They don't have their best player. And, yeah, 
the 49ers don't have one of their best players in CMC, but the 49ers also have a very good head coach. They also have Trent Williams, who is a stud. They have Brandon Ayuk, who is a good wide receiver. They have a top-notch defense with Fred Warner and Nick Bosa. Like, they're fine. They're still ridiculously talented. They're going to win this game. Yeah, and, like, I feel like one thing is um, the 49ers, while, you know, last week they uh, they did get contained against the blitz-heavy defense, which, you know, so I feel like, you know, someone could look at the Vikings' defense, like how much they blitz, and they're like, oh, yeah, you know, this could be a trap game for San Francisco. But here's the thing. A blitz, like, it does not mean anything if it's not getting home. And the Vikings, well, their blitzes are not getting home. <laughs> so I feel like What's the that? 49ers. Well, the main reason for that is the Brian Flores ideology of just, oh, yeah, you know, we'll, we trust our corners one-on-one. We'll get our corners in their face, in the wide receiver's face, while the other guys are blitzing. They can't do that now because the corners aren't as good as they were in Miami when Flores was there. And it's shown all year. Teams have just been abusing them underneath. Okay? The blitzes haven't been getting home, not just because – not just because the pass rushers aren't great. It's because the ball has just been getting out ridiculously hot. And Kyle Shanahan is going to acknowledge that. Kyle Shanahan is going to abuse that. And even if they don't, the 49ers defense is the 49ers defense. Exactly. Um, I like They uh, they let 31-year-old Keenan Allen get 215 receiving yards against them. So. <laughs> exactly. Right. And then the week after, Adam Thielen had a day. Yeah, it's like it's kind of they're right now they're just like a wide receiver's best friend with these matchups underneath, and that's I feel like Kyle Shanahan, like as you said, you know he he knows that he's definitely he's gonna take advantage of it. Like I it, I just don't see a world where the Vikings win this one. I completely agree with you there. Anyway, it was a pleasure having you on. Feel free to plug any platforms you have or. Anything of the sort, you make great content, and I feel like people should absolutely follow you on Twitter, X, whatever. So yeah, go ahead um, and plug that. Yeah, thanks for having me on. Uh, I got my Twitter is Tyler M Weiss underscore, like W E I S S is how I spell my last name, and the T, the M, and the W are all capitalized. Uh, and I also, uh, one thing to check out is I am a volleyball coverage writer for the Walter Cronkite Sports Network at Arizona State University. Um, yeah, so if you want, for anyone who is somewhat interested in college volleyball and wants to read some articles on that, go check that out. Uh, yeah, anyways, it was a pleasure being on this podcast. Thank you, Patrick. And it was a pleasure having you on. Thank you all for listening, and I'll see you all again next week.